Hello and welcome to another episode of Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Tanner and I use they, them pronouns. So, um, today's episode is my episode for 90s month. Um, let's see, what's, uh, what was that one Shakespeare quote from Romeo and Juliet? Um, would a rose by any other name smell less sweet? No. (laughs) Names are inherent in the olfactory capabilities of the human nose. Well, anyway, today's episode we'll be dealing a lot with roses. Oh? Yeah. Because we're talking about an anime from the 90s that had a lot of yonic symbolism. Oh, is this... Ah, it's that anime with all the lesbians in the race cars. (laughs) It's Utena! It's Speed Racer. It's revolutionary girl Utena. We're going (laughs) to adapt it into a somewhat modernized CW teen drama. How modernized do we want to get, necessarily? Because... Um, I have not seen all or most of it. I've only seen bits and pieces. But it seems to be in this kind of, like, outside-of-time liminal area. Yeah, time is very out of joint with it. So, in terms of modernization, um, I think it's more just uh, a bit more blind casting when it comes to the rest of the characters beyond Anthe and Akio. Oh, so when you mean modernize, you mean not a bunch of pale people. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah... Time is out of joint to take another Shakespeare quote when it comes to Unna. Isn't their school, like, in the sky? I think in the movie version, but even then, the the TV show one, the anime show was weird. It's all weird. I very much got the sense that Utena was not about logic and more about aesthetic. There was a lot of aesthetic going on, and feelings! I'm trapped in a race car of emotion. (laughs) Well, to be fair, a lot of teenagers probably feel that way about all their emotions just going round. Yeah, here's here's what I know about Utena. Sword lesbians, and race car symbolism. More so in the movie. Okay. The race car was shorthand for adulthood. Okay. Because, well, you think about it, you start, like, you get your license, yeah, when you're as young as 16, though in Japan I think it's about 18. Okay. I think they wait a bit longer. And usually your first car is actually something that your parents bought. I don't know why parents go immediately, well, the more wealthy parents go for the frickin' sports car. Ryan and I just had the Honda Civic, but it was a, it is a good Honda Civic. I got a, what did I get? I got a Pontiac. And then after several years, I switched over to a Buick. That's surprisingly not a grandma car. Brown. Yeah, but it's nice looking. It doesn't feel like it's a fucking boat. I've been in Buicks and I've driven a Buick. This is true. (laughs) I do wonder if my Buick is as indestructible as the one that shows up in the Stephanie Plum novels, which we will get to, I'm sure. Yes. But anyway, yeah, lots of car symbolism as a shorthand for adulthood because you don't really get access to cars until you're like late in your teens into your adulthood because by the time you're an adult, you can actually afford to buy a car, theoretically. So what vehicle symbolizes adolescence? Uh, they use a lot of sports cars and race cars, but when you think about it, they go very fast and everything just seems to like come at you real fast when you're a teenager. 
I am really you've screwing. got a fast car, yeah. and I want to take it to anywhere. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we could just start writing out the soundtrack for this, because you know CW loves using its licensed music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if we put that song in there, this show is going to like time travel back and air on the WB. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will. So we should actually describe, or at least attempt to describe, what the plot of Utna is. You describe it, because I've already laid out all my background knowledge. Okay, I've actually seen it twice. Like, the TV show, I've read parts of the manga because it's actually rather hard to track down and I only got like the two volume bind up like two Christmases ago and then there's the movie which I have seen and it's a very condensed version of everything that the B-Papas wanted to say. Utena abridged. Yeah, basically. Um, So the very general plot that is common across all three media is you have a young teenage girl named Utena Tenjo. She's 14 years old. Uh, when she was a little girl, she lost her parents and was very sad and got rescued by a handsome prince, her rose prince, the prince who smells of white roses, who comforted her and he gave her a signet ring with a rose symbol on it and told her that when she was older, she could come and find him. And Utena was so inspired by this prince that she decided to become a prince herself. Um, it's a bit better explained in the manga, but basically Utena decides to go to Otori Academy because it also has a lot of rose symbolism there. Uh, she enrolls as a junior high student and she- Hang on, so you- your, your choice of school based solely on the scent of your childhood crush. Yeah. Okay, that's actually anime as hell, so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the entire plot of Samurai Shampoo revolved around finding the samurai who smelled of sunflowers. Why does sniffing <laughs> smell play such a huge role in so many anime? I don't know. Like, I want to say it's because scent is a very evocative sense that you have but it's still weird i don't know the most notable thing i've smelled recently was at work i was stocking shelves and i noticed how much sesame seeds smell like peanut butter huh yeah it's weird i've been smelling the uh, secondhand smoke of all the construction people around mm. the high store that's enjoyable less fun yeah so then i have to like duck and take a big whiff of my yogurt or whatever yeah my pecans and Oh yeah, ever since uh, weed's been legalized up here, um, I get oh, whiffs Lord. every once in a while of very skunky fucking marijuana. It's like, your choice, your body, all this sort of stuff. I still think that weed smells gross. If you're at the point where you yourself smell like the dispensary, you may have taken too much. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to impact my ability to buy alcohol because there's a dispensary that opened up like not even a block away from one of my wine stores. <laughs> So now they're they're they've just like blanket carding everybody. But you're still of age. You can still I know, buy the wine. But look at me. Okay, the, the listeners can't look at me, but honestly, I look like I might be, you know, a bit younger than I actually am. We've discussed your Schrodinger's age <laughs> not too long ago. But here's an additional example. You do sometimes look like a 16-year-old trying to pass for a 30-year-old. <laughs> I've been mistaken for 14. I once had someone look at me while I had a full beard and ask me if I planned on going to university after high school. 
Like, yo, I got my degree three years ago. Oh, and then what are you doing with it? This. I'm making a podcast. <laughs> Putting it to good use. Exactly. So, anyway, Una decides to go to Atori Academy, which is this really elite boarding private school. It's weird. It's Japanese giant university high school. Like, I mean, you would assume that if it's a boarding school, it's also private. I don't know mm-hmm. if they have public boarding schools. They sometimes do, because um, they'll... Um, okay, so as far as I know, in the North American schooling system, at least for Canada and the United States, generally a school will have an area... Um, especially if it's a public school that they take kids from. Like, they'll actually have, like, this is your area, and we prioritize kids from this particular, like, collection of neighborhoods. Yeah, the district. Yeah, the district. In Japan, from what I understand, um, once you get to high school, because high school is actually kind of optional, like, you can drop out at 15 after completing middle school, and you'll be fine, for the most part. Nobody's gonna, like, like that, because, yeah... But yeah, you can legally drop out at 15. Um, but there's such... It's a whole, like, you have to get into the best high schools, and the best high school is not necessarily going to be in your area. Okay. And especially if you're living in more rural areas, you're going to have to travel a ways to go to a high school. So sometimes they'll have dormitory set up for kids who are out-of-town kids. Okay. Yeah. Wait, I think I actually have a show on my Netflix queue about that. Yeah. Japanese schooling system is fucked up. A lot of more focused on rote memorization and passing those exams to get into university. I mean, that is actually pretty close to North American school systems, too. Yeah. I think the only thing saving Canada from becoming like the United States is the fact that we don't have as much of a strain on our universities that the U.S. has. Yet. Yet. And also they haven't yet turned it into the massive money scam that it is now. Yeah. Down in the States. Like, <laughs> Dad was like, hey, Lindsay, do you want to go to Boston University to get your master's in history? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. It's going to cost you $50,000 American. Ugh. Yeah. And I'm like, gross. Um, I will stay here in Canada and uh, get that government job that'll pay for that shit. Yeah. Anime. Yeah. So let's get back to anime weirdness and lesbians because the big thing that happens in episode one is utana meets anthe himamiya who is the rose bride yeah she's uh hanging out with a bunch of pricks who want to own her and she's basically like totally submissive and una is like i'm gonna rescue from that by fighting all of these people with swords with magical swords (laughs) (laughs) and we get japanese rock opera during her transformation sequence, because, oh yeah, this is a magical girl anime. Yay. <laughs> so, yeah, she gets a transformation, but it's mostly, like, just to make her pre-existing uniform more frilly. Oh, yeah, uh, Utena rebels against the school by wearing a boy's uniform. That's, like, her first conflict with this one teacher who's more of a running gag, really. She's always like, Miss Tenjo, why are you not in the girl's uniform? And Utena's like, there's nothing in the rules here that says that I have to wear the girl's uniform. Also, now I have pockets. Besides, I am going to be a prince. <laughs> yeah. But then she comes in at a magical girl and proves that even a prince can wear a skirt. She doesn't wear a skirt. Oh, there's no skirt in her magical outfit? Not really. It's more like frills oh. on the bottom of her coat, uh, some extra stuff going on, and bicycle shorts. 
Why bicycle shorts? It was a thing. Anyway, everybody has wildly different colored hair. It's anime. It's anime. Just roll with it. I don't know how we translate that to live action. We'll find a way. I mean, we found a way with Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, even though this was literally all in our head. Mm-hmm. Most of the plot for the first season, it's um, dueling the student council. So you meet Seonji, who was the original guy who had one in quotation marks, Anthe. He's got green hair. He's a real prick. And he eventually gets kicked out, but then sneaks back. There's like a episode about that, where he's living under the bed of Wakaba, who's uh, Utena's friend. It's fucking hilarious. And also, for any old uh, older school anime fans out there, the guy who voiced Seonji was also the first voice for James from Pokemon. Oh boy. Yeah. James's dub voice is a mood. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um... So after Seonji is Miki, who's actually pretty nice. He's got a twin sister who is, you know, the bad girl. Miki is himself like, you know, he's a very accomplished musician, accomplished fencer. He's the smartest kid in school. Um, and his sister is the very rebellious one who's got a lot of issues and their parents are divorced. Lots of background stuff. Then the next one is Jury, and she has she got stuck in a weird love triangle. Jury's in love with a girl named Shiori. Okay, lesbians, good. Yeah, well, it's not exactly the most mutually healthy one because Shiori has a really bad inferiority complex because Jury's the captain of the fencing team. She's like queen bee of the school. Well, not so much queen bee. That's more like Nanami. Jury would be more like that really cool ice princess that you wish you could be, but you'll never be her. And the I wish I was head bitch in charge. Yeah. But the thing is, Shiori gets it into her head that Jury is only her friend out of pity. Oh. Yeah. And then there's another guy named Ruka who used to be the fencing team captain but had to leave school for a while due to an illness and um shiori had a crush on him again super inferiority complex going on like holy shit you need to see a therapist and yeah there's that and then there's toga who is student council president he's got red hair he's the older brother denonomy who is the trying to be head bitch in charge (laughs) and kind of has a thing for Utena and he's kind of like trying to be that prince archetype but doesn't quite make it. So yeah, that's season one. Season two is the Black Rose Duelist arc where um, this pink haired psychologist shows up named Mikagi and all of a sudden Utena gets challenged to duels by various people who are wearing... Okay, so part of the duel is um, you win by knocking off a rose that's pinned to the opponent's chest. Okay. Uh, so most of these roses are colored the same color as the people's hair. So Sanji's got green, Mickey's got blue, Jury's got orange, and Toga's got red. And Utena's is actually white, but that's for different reasons. Is it because she's pure? <sighs> but also, white roses symbolize, like, innocence. 
Yeah, so she's pure. In newness, just look up language of flowers. There's a whole section dedicated to fucking roses. Okay, I'm gonna do that right now. Yeah. So, the black rose duelists wear black roses. And they tend to be people who have very deep psychological issues. White um, roses, the pure color of purity, <clears throat> chastity, and innocence. <sighs> An ideal accompaniment to a first-time bride walking down the aisle. Great. So exactly what I was suggesting. Yeah, I was trying to avoid that, but okay. What does it say about green roses? Do green roses even exist? Uh, green roses of the the color of opulence and fertility. Mmm. Opulence. You earn everything. <laughs> yeah. Black roses are the color of death and farewell. Yeah. Uh, like a blue rose remains elusive. What we know as black roses are actually really dark red roses. Convey the death of a feeling or idea. Sending black roses to someone indicates the death of the relationship. Ooh. So, what up? We're the shitty ex-boyfriends with swords. Yeah. Well, the first Black Rose Duelist is a girl named Kanae, who is the fiancé to Akio. And she's got a wicked stepmother, and it's revealed very early on that um, Akio is stepping her stepmom. Excuse me? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're getting into some soap opera territory. Oh, boy. Akio has her entire whole page devoted to her for... Oh, no, Akio's a dude. Yeah. Okay. Still. Oh, yeah. This guy, he's one of the worst villains in fucking anime. <sighs> like He has his own page dedicated to him on TV Tropes. Mm-hmm. Because, you see, he is as bad and as iconic as goddamn Griffith from Berserk. Is Griffith the main character or the one everyone hates? The one everybody hates. Okay. Wait, I've never guy. I've never done a berserk. Okay. I've actually seen a couple of the movies. The quality went downhill after like twenty seventeen. Oh boy. Doesn't Berserk have like an egg waifu? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. But uh, honestly, Berserk is about as grim dark as you can get with fantasy, so whatever. Of course all of these Rose Duelists are part of the student council. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's another Rose Duelist I forgot to mention. Nanami. She's Toki's younger sister. She, um, I guess her best comparison would be Cheryl from fucking Riverdale. Like, Cheryl and how she wants to be. Or maybe not Cheryl. In fact, maybe, maybe Heather Chandler. She is trying to be a Heather Chandler. She's even got a couple of lackeys with her. She does the haughty high-class woman laugh that any anime fan will know automatically. <laughs> mm-hmm. And her color is yellow. And yellow, yellow roses symbolize jealousy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she is a jealous bitch. So, anyway, Black Rose Duelist. Ashkanae, who's seriously fucked up, gets even more fucked up, might have been poisoned by Akio and died. Yeah, she doesn't get a good resolution. Okay. There's Wakaba, who is the normal friend and confidant to Utena, who, like Shiori, has a bit of an inferiority complex. She kind of half-jokingly said that her mom used to call her the Onion Princess, and this is a bit of a Japanese word thing and reference thing, because Onion... She has layers! <laughs> yeah, there's layers. Um, Being called an Onion in Japan is kind of like being called kind of like... Ugh. It's okay. You smell. <laughs> yeah. 
It all comes back to the nose. You you smell this person and you cry. It's not quite an insult, but it's not a compliment. (laughs) And yeah, she's always felt second best. So yeah, Mikagi feeds on that. She duels uh, Utena. It's actually one of the more brutal fights, too. Like, this is where the combat even with the limited animation, gets fucking dirty. And, oh yeah, I should mention that fencing used to be, like, a really, really dirty sport. If you ever see, like, a like an Olympic fencing event, if you ever, if anyone ever deigns to actually watch most of the Olympics, you will notice a thing when fencers, you know, do their thing. They've got a glove on their sword hand, on their on hand, and they don't have a glove on their offhand. Now, this isn't like a Michael Jackson-esque fashion <laughs> statement. This is because back in the day, when everybody was wearing gloves all the fucking time, people could straight up grab another person's sword to hold them and then start stabbing. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's why they don't allow gloves for your offhand. Wait, I'm sorry. What difference does the glove make? I'm confused. Because it's padded, and like these swords tend to be like thinner... So you're not going to, like... It's not like trying to grab a claymore or whatever. You're grabbing, like, a rapier. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a glove, you could theoretically grab it, hold that person, or basically, like, take that sword away from that person, and then start repeatedly stabbing them. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's why in competition, you're not allowed to wear a glove on your offhand. Because it's technically not an illegal move either. (laughs) <laughs> As I said, fencing is a fucking dirty sport. Utena goes to the Olympics and just straight up stabs her opponent. They're like, what the hell? And she's like, um, it's not in the real book. Yeah. And like... Just like how it says I'm allowed to wear pants. <laughs> like, there's old uh, fencing manuals from back in the day that also demonstrated like actual like punches and kicks that you could do while also dueling someone. It was a full, full contact sport. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Anyway, Wakaba and Wakaba and Utena's duel is fucking brutal. Eventually, Utena duels Mikage, and like the main through line is this mystery over the building that Mikage has set up his office in, and where he does like these breaking speeches to people about how they're worthless, but there's a way to get back at. Uh, the people who have made you feel bad. It's not your fault. It's their fault. And then stab you with the black rose to turn you into zombie, kind of. Um, Why are there zombies now? Well, not really zombies. It's more like mind control. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this office, according to school lore, burned down like 20 years ago in a fire and everybody in there died. So there's flashbacks to what happened pre-fire. And yeah, again, time is at a joint. <laughs> Lindsay, this whole premise is a blur. <laughs> I, th- I think the only thing I've been able to add to my understanding of sword lesbian anime is that the guy is banging his stepmom. <laughs> <laughs> no, future stepmother-in-law. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's... Akio is engaged to... Ba- Kanae. Okay. Her dad is the actual guy in charge of Otori Academy, but is sick, so Akio is in charge. But he is married to a different woman than her mother, so she's got a stepmom. And Akio is banging her stepmom. No, that's still messed up. (laughs) Yeah. Akio bangs everything. Akio is like a walking porn machine. Like... (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it's... Oh, God, he's gross. Bang <laughs> uh, students! Thanks, Japan. Thank God. Okay, I will say this. When they actually get to Akio romancing the students, it's framed as being gross. Good. Yeah. This is not good. This is very rapey. This is very bad. He is the villain. They make it very clear. Also, he wears red. In one of his early, like, when you actually get to see and he interacts with Utena, he mentions that the kanji for his name is the same for the Japanese name for uh, the planet Venus, which is also known as the Morning Star, which is also called Lucifer. <laughs> Great job. Symbolism. <laughs> Symbolism! What the fuck, genius! As I said, the show is not... Or I, sh I should have said earlier, the symbolism in the show is not subtle. I mean, there's a lot of phallic stuff with the swords, and there's a giant-ass tower that kind of looks like a penis. <laughs> <laughs> they just took it directly from the Little Mermaid VG VHS cover. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the flowers, and fla flowers are yonic symbols, and for those who don't know what the fuck yonic means, it means vagina. <laughs> <laughs> hey Siri, what's my name? Your name is Alex, but you've asked me to call you Vagina, 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 Vagina. <laughs> Hang on, my, my Siri went off. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Don't worry, I told her it's okay. Yeah, so eventually the Black Duel, the Black Rose Duelist arc winds up, then it's finally like Utena faces Akio. It's called the Akio arc. Everything's coming together, it's all final. High drama. I won't spoil it. It ends in a weird way, but honestly... High drama. Hydraulics. Everyone gets hugged and turns into a car. <laughs> uh, again, that's the movie version. The TV version was different. There's still a lot of cars, though. The brief clips of the movie version was the only thing I've experienced. Okay. Not fair. As far as I'm concerned, this is Lesbian Sword Speed Racer. <laughs> look if you want there are full episodes with at the very least most of them will have English subtitles available on YouTube last time I checked I did actually while you were explaining some of this stuff I was trying to find a picture of Utina's transformed form because I was like does it really have like bicycle trucks and whatnot and it does but I was like I couldn't find pictures so I looked for videos of course all the videos are like Utina transforms into a car it's like clickbait it's like <laughs> <laughs> Dermatologist hater. She's a car. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if anyone has more of like an actual magical girl, well, she doesn't actually have a transformation, but she actually has a getup. It's Anthe. Right. Okay. That was the other thing. So I finally did find a picture. It is from the movie, but it's like the first duel that she mm -hmm. has against green fuck. Uh, uh, Seonji. Jedite. What was his name? Seonji. Okay. Seonji. Not Jedite. <laughs> Wait, did that voice actor also voice Jedi? I don't know. All I know is that Jedi had green hair, and this guy also had green hair. Yeah. Not a green hair back in the day. Yo, Jedi at least was, like, when he was trying to seduce Molly, he was, like, romantic, and he was like, you like me? I like you. Let's, let's like each other. Yeah. Sayanji is like, I'm gonna creepily rub my hand all over your face. <laughs> I'm full-on tonguing your hair? Yeah, he's, um, possessive. 
Mmm, how does that hair taste? Does it taste like flowers? So, anyway, um... Oh, yeah, anyways, and then, and then, Antha runs over, and she does a tackle kiss on Utena. Yeah. Yeah. And then she glows, and does a full-on, like, backbend, and Utena pulls a sword out of her cleavage, while getting yep. that hot new magical girl weave job. Oh, yeah. As I said, this is very strange, this is a very strange episode, or strange series. This is extremely anime. Yeah. Actually, the manga, very tame. Apparently, okay, so it was written and drawn by a woman. The same woman who actually came Good. up with a lot of the concept art. But apparently the editors were, like, all over her going, like, you can't make this too sexual, you can't make this too sexy, you can't have too much lesbian. And she's like, could you leave me alone? And then the anime production team, lesbians everywhere. <laughs> Super sexy stuff. Let's go, lesbians! Straight up nakedness. Straight up. Okay, they actually don't show like the sex, but it's it's obvious. It's obvious when you see it. <laughs> Let's go, lesbians! Let's go. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who uh who the big director for Revolutionary Girl Utena was because certain fans will know about one Kunihiko Ikuhara. He cut his teeth as a director for Sailor Moon. He also worked on uh, Penguin Drum. Penguin. Yeah. I appreciate you saw Penguin Drum and assumed it must have been like a Japanese word and tried to pronounce it as such. Yeah. Penguin Drum. (laughs) Ikuhara's whole thing is that he thinks that lesbian relationships are much more pure than every other potential human pairing out there because it doesn't have the inherent power imbalance that happens when you add men? I mean, l- let's not cut corners. There are plenty of lesbian sapphic romances that do have bad... Power issues. Um, power dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. And like that can happen just as easily as it could with a male-male romance or a heterosexual romance. Or whatever. But I also get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It just appears a lot more pure than everything else. But yeah, Ikuhara is... He's all over Yuri shit. Anyway... The big point is, how do we get this onto the CW? Well, given that Riverdale has apparently gone to- completely off the rails, you can totally get away with this. <laughs> Yo, what if Riverdale, but instead of waiting until season three for things to go full supernatural, we do it in the first 20 minutes? Yeah. Like, okay, we do have to distinguish the sort of supernatural elements that we are talking about. I, It has a more magical realism feel, like, Magical shit happens, but nobody really talks about it. Half of Latin American literature. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching Narcos early on, and they're, um, they had an intro thing uh, in the first season where they would actually define magical realism and point out that it has a South American origin and that it very much fits with South American culture. Okay. So... What I'm saying with magical realism and Utna is that while it is a very trippy show, we don't need to get into the minutia of how the lore and magic of this world works. Everybody in Otori Academy treats the school and treats everything going on around them as if this is normal. So yeah, like Riverdale. Yeah. Except not slow burn. We just head dive into, oh yeah, there's this weird dueling ring that is locked behind a gate 
and is at the top of a giant-ass tree. I don't know how we build that set. There are people who are paid to do shit like that. We just accept this. Yeah, just accept this. It's like watching... It's somewhere between, like, David Lynch and Wes Anderson. Okay. You know, I don't know if the CW is right for this. Because okay. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be able to capture the melodrama that I'm picking up from everything you're describing. Yeah. I feel like a more, like, you would almost want to go to HBO, I feel. Yeah, because they would also have the budget for this. Yeah, like, if you took this to the CW, it would be Gossip Girl with swords and lesbians. Yeah, to be honest. Like, I thought CW because it's all about teenagers, and where else do you put a teen drama but the CW? No, stick it on HBO, because, listen, all the teens have either their own HBO Go accounts or their parents' HBO Go accounts. Yeah. So they can watch the sexy uh, robot cowboys. Mm-hmm. My favorite teen drama, Westworld. <laughs> what else? Or uh, Showtime. Yeah. Showtime and or Stars. Mm-hmm. Which one had Lost Girl? Was that on... No, that was on Space, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, I will say... Space... And... Has surprisingly good TV shows. Lesbians! In... Space! (laughs) You just had to do that. Then again, I would totally pay to watch a sci-fi show about pretty much all queer women. In space. Wasn't it... Wasn't it Russia who said that they were planning on an all-female trip to space so that the mission wouldn't be delayed due to people having sex with each other? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. That is very Russian logic. Let's have that sitcom. <laughs> oh my god, it, make it even better. Actually hire Russian actresses and then everything is subtitled. <laughs> Because honestly, most people can't pull a Russian accent. Like, I know that my Slavic accent is actually more more Ukrainian in Russian. And I can only do that yeah for so long. And we are English speakers and rolling our R's is not something that comes naturally to us. We roll up the rim to win. That's basically how we do in Canada. (laughs) 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 So anyway, we go to... A channel a la HBO, Stars, Showtime. Hell, Netflix. Yeah. It's still not yet. I mean, Netflix is a given for anything we suggest on here. Yeah. It is the channel of last resort. Or the platform of last resort. Yep. When in doubt, Netflix. So, it's going to be live action. I don't know how we really translate the different hair colors. Because anime, and there's always been a problem with some live action anime adaptations. Just get some good quality wigs. Yeah. And maybe just, like, save the wild hair colors for the actual fights. Oh, yeah, the transfer... I mean, it's like a, a Precure thing. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I'm, I'm only just starting to get into Precure, but I've, I've watched, like, half-hour-long Henshin compilations. <laughs> and there's plenty where it's, like, they have a fairly normal hairstyle. Like, even if it's green, it's, like, a muted green, and then when they transform, it just goes full neon. Yeah. That would work. And, like, the early concept art... Or, actually, here, here's something that hones a bit closer in the Sailor Moon live-action. Like, the actual live-action yeah. they already made. All the girls had normal hair colors until they transformed. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was thinking, um, some of the early concept art, and official art, actually, for 
Utena back when it was still in the manga phase, um, the mangaka had drawn Utena with like strawberry blonde hair and hazel eyes and like you know natural naturally occurring hair colors. Instead of those terrifying blue eyes that are boring into my soul, <laughs> it's not that bad. Like if she op- they're like a cat's eyes. If she opened them at night, you could see her across the room. Okay, maybe. Again, this is 90s anime, and it's super aesthetic. <laughs> it's like up there with Sailor Moon in terms of synthwave aesthetic. Vaporwave Utena. <laughs> anyway, I say get mostly teenage actors, and make sure to have a good fencing master on set. And maybe even go into like the different potential styles that they could use. There are a yeah. couple different ways of doing this, and like there, um, in actual fencing, there's um, three different sword types that they use: um, epée, foil, and saber. Now they don't look all that different from the layman's eyes, but they are different. They have different weights, and they have different target areas. Yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. I have read way too much about fencing. <laughs> I kind of want to get into it. I don't know nice. where to go though. Just Google fencing in your area. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so- that, that sounded that sounded almost like a phone sex line. Oh god. <laughs> hot single fencers are looking to duel in your area. I might find a hot single fencer looking to duel in my area. That's what you should just change your Tinder bio to. <laughs> <laughs> I I am a single young woman looking for another single young woman to duel for the heart of a third single young woman. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Someday we shall talk about Julie Daubigny Lamopin. He's kind of like... Is, 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 she, is she dueling single fences in her area? <laughs> she was a French duelist and opera singer and adventurous... And so yes, <laughs> uh, she was definitely by one of her first conquests was a uh, young lady, and apparently her this young lady's parents were so upset about this relationship because Julie was a la gasp opera singer <laughs> and an actor. Oh no! Um, so they put this girl. L- look conquest. at that scandalous, that scandalous lung capacity. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, they put this girl into a convent, and Julie's like, I will rescue you, my love! So she goes to the convent, fakes her way in, like, she pretends to be a a novice, and then finds her girlfriend. An older nun had recently died, so they put that nun's body into girlfriend's cell. Then they set it on fire and escape. (laughs) Right! You have told me about this story. Yeah, yeah, because she eventually, like, Another of her conquests was the fucking Duke of Bavaria? (laughs) And apparently she could get away with all of this because she was under the patronage of his gayness, uh, Philippe Duc d'Orléans, the younger brother to Louis XIV. (laughs) Good for her! Yeah! Oh my god! Oh, but oh, Philippe, you—he's one of my favorite royals of all time. Brilliant soldier, flamingly gay, 
came out to his mother and older brother at a ball when he dressed up as a shepherdess. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so for the adaptation, I'm I'm trying to think of casting stuff. Yeah. Um, and I know we said less pale people, but I was just trying to think of people. I, you listed all the characters. I'm sure you have better ideas. I'm just trying to think of people who might match the aesthetic. Mm. Um, Liana Ramirez, who's on the current Power Rangers season, Beast Morphers, and she plays one of the bad guys. Okay. Um, and goddamn, if if Blaze and Roxy do not become the next queer icons in the Power Rangers fandom, then someone messed up. <laughs> so I've got no idea who she could play, but I feel like she she matches her acting, especially when she's acting a bad guy, and just the way she carries herself would very much match one of the characters. Yeah, she's got a. Just from the pictures, hmm, I would almost say Nanami, because I can see her getting, like, super hammy anyway. Yeah. I feel like Nutena should be Japanese. Yeah. Okay. Japanese actress, or at least Asian American actress, for Utena. Yeah. Like, most of these are going to be unknowns. Yeah. Um, like, even Liana is an unknown because she's in Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> you don't break out of Power Rangers that easily. Yeah. If, if you're a pa- in Power Rangers, you're an officially an unknown, mm. not just a theoretical unknown. <laughs> you're definitely an unknown. Yeah. Um, East Indian actors for um, Anthe and Akio. Okay. Yeah. Are they related? Yeah. They're brother and sister. They're, okay. It's a big thing in the story. Trust me. I, you probably mentioned that and it just went right past my head because of everything else I was trying to ingest at the time. Well, if I forgot to mention that, Anthea is also Akio's younger sister and oh boy, their relationship is twisted. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Seonji, I think reserve a white guy for that. Who's the actress who plays Billy on Stranger Things? Oh, Dacre Montgomery. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he would do, like, a Starz TV show, but, like, yeah. Someone kind of, like, Dacre Montgomery, like, looks-wise, and able to play a fucking jackass. The big thing, too, with these characters is that they look simple on the outside, but inside there's a mm-hmm. lot of shit going on. And, oh, yeah, there's another thing I totally forgot. So, like, there's little vignettes throughout the series by these uh, three girls. We don't actually see them. We see their shadows. They're called the Shadow Girls. Aiko, Biko, Siko. And they put on kind of little, like, morality plays at all, I guess, that describe what's going on in a very metaphorical sense. And what the actual theme is. and Because one of the big things that Revolutionary Girl Utenet tackles, it's um, character archetypes and fairy tales and um, how... It's based. The big thing is to tackle the Madonna whore complex, but through like the lens of a fairy tale. So princes, princesses, witches, all that sort of stuff. So like with the Shadow Girls, if that gets kept, and I would like it to be kept because they're also a great source of comic relief. Whoever they get to voice these girls doesn't really matter. It's more like the CGI or the animation of these shadow plays going on. I am making weird hand gestures, but. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's a cool feature. All right. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't have much to add because you're the Uten expert. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't really have actors in mind. I do want this to be 
as non-white in quotation marks as possible because like Japan is weird and we don't really have to go into specifics on where Otori Academy is because it's in a weird liminal space anyway. Yeah. (laughs) It's in its own dimension. Don't think about it. It's like how Night Vale is in a nebulous southwestern area of the United States. Yep. Keep roses. Keep the roses everywhere. The school's big and fancy. I don't know if you have to like rent out a university campus for parts of this, but do it. Or half of a town in Italy. <laughs> it's all it all have to be like miniature sets for the establishing shots. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have to go HBO because this is going to require a budget. <laughs> I'm not saying that uh, CW shows don't have a budget, but um, they don't work with a lot of, you know, really big establishing shots. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because I don't want to spo- spoil too much about Utena. I want people to go out, seek it, watch it. It is a classic. It is a staple of anime. It was one of the best shows the shoujo genre before it got shoved out by fucking male power fantasy isekai yeah there there needs to be an anime that just completely destroys like oh well, i'm sure there have been plenty of deconstructions but like they're deconstructing the wrong thing yeah like it needs to be a parodic deconstruction yeah. <laughs> something that absolutely lambasts all these power fantasies just call it horny and alone in another dimension and then just have like a reconstruction where you do things right. Yep. Yep. And then I don't know, just do shit differently. Like, why does it always have to be JRPGs? If you still want to do video game mechanics, how about an isekai that's inspired by Mist, where you're alone on an island with some weird books, and you have no context for what the fuck is going on. So. <laughs> You have to piece together the context. <laughs> At least that's my understanding of mist. I all I know is mist is a lot. Mm-hmm. A good a lot, but a lot. Yeah. Alright, so reaching that point, is there anything else that you can think of to add to uh... Game of Roses? <laughs> that's two on the nose. Basically, I want the producers and the writer I want as many Women and POC and non-binary, everything. I I want the writing room and the directing staff and set. I want everybody to be as diverse as possible. Actually, yes, because let's 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 talk about gender. Let's talk about who Tena is, demi girl at most. Yeah, and like I would not trust this series in the hands of a cis straight man. Yeah, especially one who doesn't have, like, okay, we have the advantage of being steeped in anime for the past 20 years of our lives. Mm-hmm. Already we know that gender is weird in anime. The Japanese are okay with certain things that we're not okay here, but they're also not okay with certain things that we're okay with over here. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking, you can't get any gender reassignment operations without being sterilized. What the fuck? Yeah, and they don't allow for gay marriage, but they will allow more okay with the men stuff because they're used to it. They temporarily uh, made homosexuality illegal in the 1800s, but then repealed that law because, again, they're way more okay with it. 
than we in the West ever were. But it's like, they're used to it, but they also fetishize it. Yeah. Like, like their guy on guy is hot is our girl on girl is hot. Yeah. And <laughs> don't even... Even if it's legal, a majority of the population isn't going to see it as anything other than... Like, they're not going to see it as a legitimate relationship. Yeah. Especially um, female-female relationships. Like, they're tolerant of high school girls having a relationship with each other, but the general understanding is that you grow out of it's it. It's childish. Yeah, it's considered childish. Once you find a man, you'll be fine. Again, things are changing in Japan because, the, well, first of all, the, the economic realities are forcing change, especially because nobody wants to fucking drop dead while at work. Yeah. You know, that could even be um, something about, about the how that's like seen as childish, the female-female relationships. Mm-hmm. That could be something that's brought up in the series. Yeah. Like, do we ever see... Oh, no, we don't see Otena's parents. They died. Do we see, like, her guardian? Does she have it, guardians? They're never... She's never mentioned in the anime. In the manga, we get, like, a little bit with her aunt. But her aunt is conveniently uh, put on a bus to the Netherlands. <laughs> and she is never really important after that. Fuck you, Tenna. I'm just going to go to an 18-year-long ABBA convention. <laughs> yeah. So, but that could be like the aunt saying, Utena, like, why aren't you growing out of this, these childish things, like being rescued by a prince, and being a prince, and being attracted to women? <laughs> and Utena pulls out the rule book! She says, listen, there's new rules in the school handbook saying I can't be a lesbian. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe she sent to the school just because, ugh, I can't handle you. Maybe the school will set you right... No, no, it actually makes her worse. So the school's going to encourage it. Yeah. From what I understand about all girls' schools... Utena, you useless lesbian! <laughs> yeah, you basically become a useless lesbian. On top of that, apparently, um, all sense of, like, hygiene kind of goes out the window. <laughs> oh, that's less fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not... Okay, I shouldn't say hygiene, but, like, you know, you're not putting on your makeup for a dude, and you're not... Yeah, okay, yeah. Makeup is not hygiene. Okay, but at the same time, from what I understand from Bridget, who used to be on Stuff Mom Never Told You, who went to a Catholic girls' school, she was rather relaxed when it came to actually laundering her uniform. Well, I don't wear clean clothes to look attractive. I wear clean clothes because I don't want the stank. I don't... When I take them off, I don't want them to continue standing. Yeah, I don't... Bruh! But also, that was Teenage Bridget. And teenagers are fucking weird. Teenagers scare the living shit out of me. Yes! So on that note, I think we've covered everything we need to. Yeah. For Utena. Yeah. We got swords. We got roses. We don't have as many cars. We have social commentary. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Gender is a complete construct. Fuck it. Yeah. Ideally... A non-binary showrunner. Mm-hmm. If we can't, or at very least, they're in the room and they're being listened to. Yeah, and mostly unknown actors. Give them, some, yeah, give them a bit of a push. Notice Almost entirely people. unknown actors because there's there's no adults in the show. Yeah, really. The adults are fucking useless, if not just straight up non-existent. Also, if you have no big name actors playing the adults, you save money and you can put yeah. it all towards. Launching the school into the troposphere. <laughs> uh, yeah, we gotta pay for that giant ass tree where all the duels take place. Exactly. 
But on hey. that note, I think <laughs> someone's got to build the phallic watchtower. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go build the phallic watchtower, and while I'm away doing that, let's listen to a quick friendship promo. Hi, I'm Caitlin, and I'm Joe. Sugar, we're going down. Podcasting is exactly what it sounds like. Each week, we get a random Fall Out Boy song and discuss it in various ways, such as... What are its merits musically? Is it a bop? Does it have chugs? It's lyrical complexity. Sometimes Pete writes a triple entendre, and sometimes he doesn't even finish the first entendre. Does the video make any goddamn sense, though? Usually, no. How gay does it make us feel? Usually, a lot of gay. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your personal podcatcher of choice and get a new episode every Wednesday until it kills us. Caitlin, is this more than you bargained for yet? Honestly, it already is. Lindsay. Tanner. Lindsay, I couldn't do it. (laughs) Dick too bomb. (laughs) The deep is too strong. (laughs) Uh, we are 26 years old we are 12 years old (laughs) look at it it's dick butt (laughs) (laughs) okay before we degenerate any further I'm just mentally running through all the dick jokes that I could make and trying to not say them so that we don't derail this. <laughs> Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? <laughs> I am at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay with an A. On Twitter, you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. Because I guess I'm an old fuck on Twitter. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You're not that old. Uh, You can find this very... Yeah, we've established that. Yeah. Uh, You can find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first. And they're pronounced... Nerf! (laughs) I was trying to think if I could... (laughs) Another non-sequitur, but I couldn't. Because the only other option was penis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) um and you can find this podcast at not if i reboot you first on instagram uh the hashtag is n-i-i-r-y-f which is also pronounced yonic (laughs) (laughs) perfect (laughs) and we have a patreon oh yeah yeah go support us there hi charlie hi charlie you're the best (laughs) around no one's ever gonna bring you down <laughs> i feel like charlie likes utena it seems like it's something up their alley yeah this one's for you charlie <laughs> yeah. uh i even created pin boards for utena and anthe nice um also on your patreon on your patreon on our patreon <laughs> uh if you're at a dollar level you'll get the shout out like charlie but if you're at the five dollar level then you can also get bonus episodes, which we're, we're going to be recording shortly, we think. Yeah. 
And you can uh, look at the new poll, which is up now. You can also email this very podcast at notifireabootyoufirst at gmail.com. You can send us your questions, your comments, your critiques, your favorite car models. What color roses would you use in a duel? If you're a single female duelist looking for... If you're a single female fencer looking for duels in your area, <laughs> let us know. Call me. Or guest on the podcast. <laughs> so until then, we'll see you all next week, but not if we were with you first. Bye. Bye.